What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 15, the Nova 2019 Saga, chapter 2. This is a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers, their annual journey to the Nova Open Convention, uh, playing miniature tabletop games, and balancing life with those games. I'm Jared Johnson, and I'm here with Trace Hyde. I am not a crazy person. I'm a holy knight. Jason <laughs> Table New Murray. Four and one. Go Bills. And Danny Clemens. Football sucks. I hate it. Sports are stupid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody on my side. <laughs> Only for the moment. Oh. Uh, so uh, this will be the second. What was that about? Let's go, Buffalo. (laughs) Give him one good season. He'll just shut up about it. I know. Sports ball. Hey, I mean, Music City Miracle Curse is over. They actually ruled a Ford Pass, an illegal Ford Pass today. Not that I want want to date the podcast or anything. Hey, just dated now. It's over now. Yep. So much for. Everybody's here for the sports content. So. That's right. <laughs> a blistering commentary. Hot takes. Yeah. Oh, da-da-da, oh my gosh. And season assist. Yep. Yeah, demonetized. It's going to be our bumper music from now on. No, <laughs> so enough with the sports ball talk, which there's nothing wrong with sports. They're fun. You should enjoy fun things. But that's not what our podcast is about. Um, we're going to talk about our favorite Nova experiences. And since we're more than a month out from Nova, we'll kind of r- wrap up the Nova discussion, um, you know, for the year. And we'll kick things back off, you know, uh, once we kick off season two, uh, getting ready for Nova 2020. Um, so we'll kind of talk about Nova. Um, we we want to talk about all of the news that's coming, you know, down the pipe from for Warhammer 40k for the psychic awakening and then of course you know 75% of us are, are super stoked and and neck deep in beast grave um, so we'll we'll spend some time talking about that uh, and then we'll wrap up the show but before we get into that what's everybody been up to <laughs> not everyone at once <laughs> trace usually when you would ask somebody i know, I just... know. Who's I everybody? I don't know. Every, everybody's everybody. <laughs> uh, um, I've been doing a little bit of painting, not a whole lot of painting. Um, tonight I actually did something different that I had never done before, which was I used um, Super Sculpey and made my own base toppers for the first time. What? Yeah. Um, yeah, they just came out of the oven right before the episode started, so... Turkey's done. Yep. Um, so just trying to do some new things just to expand my expand and flex my hobby muscles. So they're really easy to do. You just get like I got the the medium medium super sculpey. I guess it's what it's called. It's in a box over there. I'm not going to go get it, but it retains a good amount of detail and it's really easily workable. And then you just like roll it out. Like, you basically make cookies for your bases, and then you have, like, I got some um, um, specific width cutters to 
fit every single size base that you could put that are like round or ovals. And I made oh, some cool. of those and yeah. Um, got some of the stuff from Green Stuff World and tried that out. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Something different. For what army? Uh, for the demons, sir. Yeah. Yeah. That's Making cool. a whole bunch of runic bases so they'll all match and they'll all be kind of like a dusty, chalky color and they'll make that Ruin the Storm Demons paint scheme pop out really nice because it'll be a dark mini on a light base. Nice. So yeah, that's <laughs> been be my cool. that's been my hobby progress for the little bit. And I painted a little bit on some of the on the um Skates Wild Hunt. Um and I probably will take up Jared's idea about my ghosties because he gave me an idea that I hadn't really thought about the other night, which was to paint the um, Lady Harrow's Mourn Flight as some um, Dementors. I thought that would be fun to do. Um, so I'm going to look up some different ways to make some dirty, chalky-looking cloth and maybe do some like comic book-style hatchwork on the cloak. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, make them a little bit more stylized and not as, you know, real. Because, um, I don't know, there's just, just a lot of cloth on that mini. And so it would right. just kind of get lost, I think. So I'll try some new stuff. If it doesn't work, then I'll start over. Because it's easy to paint dark cloth. Yep. That sounds pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have even thought of it, but, I, you know, we were sitting across the table from each other, and mm-hmm. I just saw the them in black, and I was like, yeah, they look like Dementors. Mm-hmm. The same shape, and they have the same, like, silhouette, obviously. Yeah. And so I think that would be kind of cool to do, and do some neat non-metallic metal and stuff on the weapons and stuff like that to help them pop. So we'll see. Cool, cool. Danny, what have you been up to? Uh, I have assembled all of my Lord of the Rings stuff that was left over. Nice. Uh, that I hadn't done. I had some Knights of Minas Tirith to assemble. And then all the stuff that I bought when I was at Nova, some Forge World stuff that is just easy to get there than, rather than mail order. Put all that together and was reminded of how amazing... Forge World stuff really is, uh, and then I based all of those miniatures as well, and that's that's what I've done in the last like week or so. I took a couple weeks off and just didn't touch hobby for a while, um, and just starting to kind of get back into it just now. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Basically, no hobby has been done until this week, and I assembled and primed the uh, starter set for Beastgrave. So, and then after I got finished priming, I saw all of the gaps that were there that I didn't see before. So <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go back in with some liquid green stuff and then probably, I'll probably go back and brush prime over that. Yeah, I'm about to become so. very familiar with some plastic horse butts in the near future, I think. Mm. There's lots of uh, gaps in that. Yeah. Uh, that's a good segue to talk about just gluing peg minis because you know one of our buddies max from battle for salvation posted on made the mistake of posting on the internet on just (laughs) easy to assemble kits and gaps and stuff like that and the internet exploded 
um, with what I thought was just unnecessary stuff. Like, say your piece, try to help somebody and move on. Yeah, um, it was it was unfortunate the way that people reacted to him. What happened? Just, just negative, like, like they're easy to build. Like, just kind of being snide because they're, quote-unquote, easy to build. And I think, um, you know, most of the time the Underworlds community is very accepting. Like, I mean, I haven't had really any bad um, interactions with it, but this time it was kind of the good old GW neckbeards coming out and saying like, ha ha, you don't know how to put together a peg mini, which I've made the same mistake is what Max had. And I glue like, you know, the first Stormcast models I put together, I put glue on the pegs, you know, plastic glue, and I pushed them together and there was a gap. And it's because the glue, like they're, they're machine fit. The pegs are machine fit so well that any material will cause the peg to push out. Yeah. So you either have to file down the pegs or cut the pegs a little shorter and really be purposeful with a thin bead of glue. Like, I mean, I still use plastic glue cause that will definitely seal the gaps. Like it'll hold those harder to get, you know, shoulder pads or whatever together, but just cutting off the ever so fraction of a fraction off the peg um, can help you tremendously in closing the gaps when putting an easy to push model together with glue. Yeah, um, the the GW models are always amazing, no matter what. But I've not loved the assembly of a lot of the push fit that I put together personally because I do like you. Yeah, either cut it down or sometimes the pegs are just tight in those holes and you have to sand them down. And you're like, this this feels like more work than is intended. Yeah, I found that the easiest thing to do is just take your hobby knife and just trim just a little bit off of the peg on the end, like either at the very tip or just like basically make it kind of like a wedge instead of letting it be a hole pin. And then you just put glue like you normally would where you would the joins would be. And I've not had any issues getting any of the minis together because that the cool thing about that plastic glue is it softens that peg a little bit and it makes it really easy for it to go in. Um, so that would be what I would recommend for people to do. Yeah. I just stopped putting glue on the pegs. So I might glue the seams, like, you know, if there's like a seam in the torso or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't even I don't even put glue, like, in the peg hole or on the peg anymore because of the exact reason that Jason said that, you know, you put any material in there and it's obvious that it's not supposed to be there. And nothing could be more obvious... Um, for me, than the giant gap that is in Gerzag. Yeah. <laughs> that's like under his arm. So I like, and I primed those models black. So I didn't see that gap at all until I started painting him. And I was like, well, uh, I guess this is Gerzag now. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, not like you'll see the table anytime soon. That's true. That's true. The, the other, the other tip for putting those push fits together, especially underworlds or, you know, heavily detailed bases, I, I got from Trace, and that's don't glue your models onto the base. Like do the same technique as shave them down because those detailed bases go so much easier when you can airbrush them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then it also lets you get into like the nooks and crannies of the model, so you can get like underneath the cloak and. Stuff that's diff- more difficult to reach otherwise. So, 
that'll leave me to my hobby progress, I guess. So Who did you pay? So yeah. Um, <laughs> the beautiful thing is I did reach out. So I think our last episode, I, you know, mentioned the crimson fists and just like, Holy cow, that's money to spend against an army that maybe, maybe not. So I, I, my little time came up in the queue. Uh, dark bunny creatives is like, Hey, your project is ready. And I said, um, speaking of which, can I, can I switch what my project is and they said yes so every single underworld's faction that has not been painted in season two and all of season three are now at the shop getting worker bees to to paint it up so that'll be um that's magors thorns um yeah it's a lot of stuff oh and including the dreadfane Warbands as well. Okay, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll be all the way through the Wolf Riders, whatever, the new Goblin Wolf Riders. Rippa's Snarl Fangs. Yes. So everything through that will be painted, um, which will kind of go to my hobby goal for this year, and that is to play every faction in Beast Grave at least once or twice. Not, um, you know, just because normally I skip factions and I only play like two or three out of a season, so... Trying to play them all. Nice. I like that plan. Uh, and then other hobby progress. We did get a narrative game in with some some liberties. So <laughs> it was a um, just to get everybody up to date. Uh, Keller Fall. Um, it was Danny and myself, the Crimson Fists and the Ultramarines, or the Ultra Fs, as we like to call them. Um, took on Trace's uh, Death Guard, or Death Guard, uh, Black Legion and Demons. And there was a great warp portal that he was trying to activate and summon. Uh, we added some really cool narrative effects where we rolled, and the, if the, the portal ignited, then he got to summon in some gribbly demons. If it did not, it misfired and hit everything in its path. Um... So it was a lot of fun. Like, I know I got to put units on the table that aren't normally on the table. Uh, it was definitely a fluffy narrative thing. Uh, Reverse still managed to do nothing. And my chaplain didn't very... He wasn't very inspiring during the battle. Let's just put it that way. So, But other than that, it was fun to roll dice with you guys. Yeah, for sure. It was a fun game. It was a crazy game. It was fun to kind of just adapt the rules for fun. Like, the... Sometimes I think it's hard to remember that the rules police aren't going to show up and arrest you if you change mm-hmm. something because you don't think it's fun. Uh, and we didn't necessarily do that because we, it wasn't, we didn't think it was going to be fun. It was just we thought this was a more fun option to just make that portal in the middle just go haywire and shoot stuff. And it it did that <laughs> in spades. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I thought it, uh, it just... I think it helped us all to relax, just that throw some random crazy stuff in there, too, and not take it too seriously. I mean, it's it's a fun game anyway, but when you do something like that that's just completely at random, like, you, you just have fun with it. Um, so, yeah. I had a lot of fun. And, unfortunately, the good guys won that one. Yeah, we, we call it a victory, but... Uh, I think we took like 80% casualties from that damn warp storm. 
And uh, we were one unit away from summoning a bloodthirster, which would have then killed the rest of our armies. So, yeah. For those of, uh, for those of you keeping along at home, um, that means that so far in our little campaign, Chaos have infiltrated through and went to some sort of secret site, which was then exposed of them trying to activate a warp gate um, or summon in some demons, whatever we want to call it. Um, so that was like game one and three. Uh, and then in between, Danny saved some Inquisitors, which legitimately did nothing for us when yeah. the warp gate showed up. Like what? It just took what, off. Yeah, where where did you all go? So they, they weren't Inquisitors; those were civilians. You just well, saved civilians. So what well, are they going to do against the warp gate? That's not what they told us when they were in my tanks. Well, yeah. <laughs> you think we care about saving some civilians? What are we, Ultramarines? Oh yeah. Some of we us know are. the Crimson Fists just like to mow them down. So that's right. That's because you told me to. It was under your uh, orders. Odd interpretation of orders. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm having having fun with the narrative, and I actually it's made me want to play like an actual game of 40k with you know points and all that fun stuff just to to play one here. Sorcery. Sorcery. Uh, and then my other hobby progress is I, you know, I obviously assembled all of the beach grave, uh, underworld stuff. Uh, I have put together the, some more, um, uh, hell blasters, uh, and there may have been some tombs rising in the 40 K universe in the hobby cave. Oh, that's fun. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, Plastic Glue went on some Terminator-style models over the last week. Oh. Very cool. Sneaky secrets. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, why don't we take a break here? Unless anybody's got something that we've missed. No, it just sounds like you got a school going on back there. Yeah, so I got to go help my wife. So I'll be right back. Uh, we'll <laughs> take a break and then we'll come back. Hashtag life. And welcome back. As we had a pause for Jared to go finish duct taping his children back into their beds. Um, Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it when that happens. I'm sure everyone can hear the chinchilla jumping madly behind us right now. So it's all good. Um, but this segment is about Nova wrap up and our experiences and, and our favorite moments of this past Nova experience. So, um, you know, first off, I would do want to take some time and just thank our guests over the last few episodes. Um, you know, Jimmy for coming on to talk to us about Lord of the Rings and his uh, underworld's experience. Uh, Jonathan Davis from Path to Glory podcast and Well of Power website, uh, Randall and Max from Battle for Salvation, all ex- sharing their Nova experiences, highlights, uh, and comments. Uh, we do appreciate them taking time uh, and echoing what makes Nova so fun for us. But now let's talk about what we liked the most. And we'll start. With Jared, seem as he's the reason that we had to take that super long pause. Jared, what were your favorite moments of this past Nova trip? 
Um, so I think the top for me, and this will probably be consistent every year, is is I think the top experience for me will always be Saturday night on the rooftop bar. Um, it's yeah, uh, you know, I wasn't my, at. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> well, that's not my fault. You're the <laughs> one that had to catch it was up. your plan. Whatever, my plan for you to not come hang out with us. <laughs> now you make me. Oh, I'm done. Yes, I quit. Shortest podcast ever. I know. Anyway, Saturday make night it, Nova. Bar. Sa- Saturday night, the the rooftop bar, the the charity charitable foundation bar. All of the drinks are for charity. Mike Brant's band plays. Um, I'm a sucker for live music, um, and so it's like just a good time to hang out. Enjoy good music, have good conversations, um, and so you know, just hanging out with you guys, being able to talk to the the Nova staff and the Nova volunteers, to be able to talk to GW staff, like all of that, just the cumulative hobby, charity, alcohol, music infused <laughs> experience. Um, I think is always going to be the. I mean, for the past two years, it's been the top. Um, so we'll see if that track record continues. Um, and then other highlights, um, I I think overall gaming experience, I had the most fun playing in the Age of Sigmar doubles. Uh, and I think that uh, and that is due in large part to um, awesome opponents. So um, the, uh, the, the gentleman that we played from Cape Fear Legionnaires, um, you know, we had a great time uh, just enjoying ourselves in that game and uh and then um wow the names are escaping me he had a terrible partner though it was guy's the worst which one me oh yeah (laughs) oh i had it i thought you said they had dang we're slow tonight good lord you know (laughs) still the nova hangover i guess yeah right still still nursing it a month later yeah no so um, so that was good, and you know, Trace getting to uh, further tempt me down the the dark path. Um, yes, but I think that you know a, a big part of that was everybody's expression when. Uh, so we haven't. I think we we talked, we hinted at it, but I don't think we ever divulged what we were, what our big secret was for the Age of Sigmar doubles. Um, we spent entirely too much money on a resin skull and custom <laughs> M&Ms with the corn symbol on them. And so the first time anything died in any game, whether it was our model or an opponent's model, I would reveal from underneath the table this resin skull full of these red M&Ms and say blood for the blood god and, and offer them to our opponents with the standing offer that anytime anything died, our opponents were free to take M&Ms from the skull. Um and so one of the cool parts of that was that we were right by the judges table for our last round. And so everybody that walked by to go to the judges table to turn in their scores or check on something or ask a rules question or whatever would see the skull sitting there on our table with the M&Ms in it. So we got a lot of comments on that. So, um, so that was a ton of fun. And then, you know, it's the game that we spend probably the most time playing and thinking about Underworlds. Um, and so the, I mean, just that experience was cool and it was even better this year. Um, as our guests have commented in the past, you know, the fact that we 
were familiar with each other and you know that there was there were friendships there that weren't there last year so we could cheer each other on uh you know even if you know somebody did better than we did or 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 things worked out differently so like i got to play randall again and if you listen to the battle for salvation podcast you know how that went he just mm-hmm. trounced me um it's okay which was, i got him back later yeah, you got him back. Yeah, so we're still up to two two one, battle mallet versus battle for salvation. So, gauntlet's been thrown. Um, so we'll yeah. see how that see how that record continues. No, I think aren't they up? No, no, no. They're up three two. Yeah. Oh, they're up three two. Because Max, because you no one's lost to Max and I lost to Max. Oh, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Last year. Okay. Well, we're we're two one versus Randall then. Yeah. <laughs> That's what really matters. <laughs> and he'll um, listen to this and be like, oh. so, so going back to that wonderful skull throne with the M&Ms, yep. you, you, know, you said you spent way too much money. There was a story about getting that goblet. To, oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah that, that's important to bring that up. So getting everything packed, you know, we bring entirely too many, too many things to Nova. So <laughs> you got to imagine, you know, we brought our Underworlds armies and then we didn't know or our war bands, and we didn't know, are we going to have free time to play? Are we going to be able to, you know, get some kind of, like, side tournament going, like, Friday afternoon or something? So I brought all of my Underworlds models and all of my Underworlds cards, and then I had, you know, my Warhammer 40k narrative army, and then Trace had packed the Age of Sigmar army, and then this is basically the same story for everyone involved, because even Danny brought his Underworld stuff in case we wanted to play against him, which was awesome. And then we brought board games and then, you know, we need like clothes and stuff like that. So in the midst of getting everything into the van, I forget the M&Ms and the resin skull. And so, yeah. So I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, like, how is this going to work? Am I going to pay $60 to FedEx overnight this thing? And so I think this is, so this is Wednesday, right? That I call my wife and... (laughs) I'm like, I forgot the skull, babe. And she's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, yeah, I totally forgot the skull. She's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I need you to go to FedEx. What are you going to do? Yeah, right. (laughs) So I said, uh, I need you to go to FedEx, and I need you to figure out how much it's going to cost to overnight this thing up here. So she did, and she went to FedEx, and it was only like $11 to get it there by the end of the day on Friday, or Thursday, so that we had it for, or by the end of the day on Friday, so we had it for Gosh, no, end of the day Thursday. So we had it for Friday for the Age of Sigmar Doubles. So she did it. She got it up there. So kudos to Daniela. She saved our Age of Sigmar Doubles experience because I don't don't think it would have been the same without it. Um, I think that's true and fair. Yep. Yep. Uh, Wife's coming through in the clutch. I know, right? Something about balancing life and games. So, um, so that, yeah, so that's it. Yeah. I'm glad you, you asked about that, Jason. So, and then, yeah, so Underworlds was fun. Um, I went a whopping three and four. So, you know, finished in the third bracket, but I did play a really good game against an awesome opponent. Um, Anthony, and I'm going to butcher his last name. I think it's like Ferrero, Ferraro. Um, so he was playing gets, this was my, this was round four. So to figure out what 
seed we're going into. We're both two and one at this point. So one of us will end the night two and two. One of the one of us will end three and one, and that's going to flip brackets. So am I going to go into the eight to sixteen bracket, or am I in the seventeen to twenty four bracket? Um, and so played a great game. You know, he he took it pretty strong game one, and then we're playing game two, and we finished the second activation phase, and I he has like three goblins left, and so I start clearing my deck because I think that the game is over because of the game state that we're in. And so I realize what has happened as he starts like drawing cards. And so I just like freeze. And this is, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to fix this because this is what happens to me. Like I make a mistake and then I get flustered and it basically costs me a game. And it's, it's, I feel like it's happened like more times than it hasn't. So I don't know if anybody has any tips on how to not just utterly lose your mind when you make a critical mistake, I'd be happy to hear it. And don't tell me to stop making mistakes because <laughs> I can't guarantee that that's going to happen. But anyway, get, so get good scrub. Yeah, get good. So I'll get you a sports psychologist. Yeah, right. <laughs> Something. And um, I, I think we know one of those. I mean, do we? We know a psychologist. A psychologist. <laughs> Pretty sure you're out of her age bracket there, Jared. Yeah, I might. Damn be. it. No, maybe. he's not. Emotionally, Mental- emotionally, maybe not. Um, but anyway, so um, so Anthony was awesome though. Like he said, we've got time. Take a minute. Like whatever you want to do, it's fine. Because like initially when I did it, I was like, I don't like I don't know how to walk back from this. Like I feel like I should just like concede and give you the win even though i was like up on glory pretty strong at that point um because i had like ruined the game state but he said take a minute you know whatever you want to do is fine like i'm not i just want you to be happy with your decision um so i took a minute and i thought about it and i said okay like how do we walk back from this and he's like well do you know what was do you know what was in your power hand? And I was like, I mean, I kind of do, but I don't, like, I feel like like that's not reasonable. And he's like, okay, well, why don't we go through your thing and we'll just pull out everything that we know that you've played, like all of the ploys and spells and all that. And I said, okay, that makes sense. And then we'll shuffle and you'll draw a new power hand. And then he said, okay, now we can walk through your objectives because I've been here sitting here playing with you. Like, let's walk through your objective deck and we'll... We'll go through everything that you've scored, and then we'll put everything back, and we'll you'll you'll draw, and we'll go through it. And so that's what we ended up doing. Um, and I took game two, and then we went into game three, and and I think I was still flustered, but I I, may, I misread the board state on one play, and I think it's what cost me the game. Um, but that I feel like for all of that to have gone down, and for me to make like just one mistake instead of like a series of mistakes shows some growth, but I'm still like trying to figure out how to not just lose my mind when I make a mistake. But anyway, so um, kudos to Anthony, awesome opponent, um, class act. So um, just want to give him a shout out for that. So I think to help us along with that, right? So for our listeners, Jared and I play Underworlds 
two or three times a week and we play on TTS and all that fun stuff. But we often will break down like the game and say, oh, well, I made a mistake here. I made a mistake there. And we have this running joke of take backsies. So I think how we get better in making a mistake and moving on is twofold. First off, if you make a mistake in any game, any game, remember that they are tabletop miniature games and both parties make the mistake. The only one that knows you made a mistake is you. So play into it. It's okay that in this case is a little bit outlying, whereas you picked up cards and you had to communicate with your opponent, but I'm just talking normal, like, Oh, I moved a figure too far or, Oh, I messed up and I didn't score this objective, blah, 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 blah. Like, no one knows you made a mistake but you. So just play into that mistake and say, it's, it's okay, I'll move on. Because in all likelihood, you either caught your opponent off guard, they still have to capitalize on the mistake. There's a lot of other factors that go into that mistake. Uh, and then as far as practice goes, we need to get better at, one, playing to time, and two, once we make a decision, stick with the decision and talk about it later and just yep. move on. Because even in our practice games, we dwell on those, oh, shoot, I made this error and I have this card and this. Like, it's okay. Like, there will be another game. We'll, we'll score that glory of that game. So, Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, good points. So. So, moving on, because, you know, segue into your partner, of AOS Trace, what were what were some of your highlight moments of this year's Nova? Um, well, Jared kind of stole all mine, which is fine. That's um, what he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Um, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing in the doubles, um, the rooftop. I mean, just the entire social scene and meeting up with people that we knew last year but didn't really know last year and then remembering us and all that stuff like that that will like jared said the the social aspect will always probably be my favorite part of going um but probably the age of sigmar doubles is my was my favorite um portion of the weekend um just because of all the cool people we got to play with like i got to play against um caleb and nicholas walters who were two of the best age of sigmar players in the country um and i played against them last year um and it was just really cool they're just awesome guys to play with they're just even though they kicked our teeth in this this year oh that it was, was so a, bad well i mean it came down and they said it too like if if they if we don't get double turned on the so we were playing a mission where if you um, there was six objectives on the board, two were in their field, two were in the central, or, and then two were um, in our part of the board. And you're playing long ways, basically hammer and anvil for those of you who play 40k. Um, and their army was the same army I played against last year. It's almost exactly the same. It had a bunch of sky fires and a bunch of um, uh, Iron Jaws, Pig Riders, and they just, they're so fast and they can get on top of you in a hurry. And that's exactly what they did. And we played pretty cagey in the first round. And I was thinking we're playing for double turn, right? If we go second, we get to double turn them. 
whatever. But we lost the initial roll-off because Jared did not win a single roll. Not one. To win priority the not entire one. time. <laughs> um, so we lost the initial roll. They let us go first. So we backed up. And then they came in. They got the second priority. They burned all of our objectives. And they were up like 18 to 0. And so I was just like, okay, well, that was fun. I was like, let us roll some dice. And they were like, okay, cool. And they we just kept going. Um, but if they don't get to double turn on that game, it's a different game because we have enough output to potentially carve through a large portion of their army. And we could have given them a pretty good game, I think. But, um, but that was a lot of fun. And then probably one of my biggest highlights game wise from that event was also three Bulgors killing Archaon in one round. You of got to do the thing. I got to do my thing, which was get to do my crazy combo that I had thought out in my brain that I thought it was going to work, and it did. And it killed a, one of the hardest-hitting models in the game in one round of combat. So, um, And the look on our opponent's face when I said, um, that's 22 damage. And he was like, what? <laughs> um it was it was really cool. Um, and then one of my favorite parts about the skull and the M and M's was one of um, one of the personalities that's that surrounds the Age of Sigmar community and um, has a YouTube channel. That's his name's Vincent Venturella, and he's an excellent excellent painter. Um, he and his and his co-host do Warhammer Weekly. Which, if you're into Age of Sigmar and you don't watch Warhammer Weekly, you should definitely go watch it on YouTube. It's every Wednesday. Um, but they break down and talk about all the new um, battle tomes and stuff like that. But he stopped by and he was just one of the TOs that noticed our M&Ms. And he pointed them out to Vince. And Vince was just like, what are those? And it was so funny because... He was just like, I need them. I need them now. How do I order them? And Jared and I had to like stop our game and talk to him about it for just a second. We we're like, we're so sorry. And they're like, no, 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 we got plenty of time. It's fine. So, um, and I said, yes, Vince, you can get them in pink and purple with the Slanesh symbol on them, and you'll be very happy. And he's like, you knew where my brain was at. And I was like, yeah, I watch the show, so I kind of know where your allegiances lie. Um, and it was so cool because he remembered us because we were in the rooftop bar on Saturday night, and he remembered us and we talked to him and he was talking to one of his other um, YouTube buddies about it. And it was, it was just really fun to see that something that Jared and I had thought about kind of be impactful. Um, so I, that was one of my favorite parts. And then all the Underworlds games were great. Playing with Randall was a lot of fun. And you guys can hear about that game on their podcast. I won't go into, into detail about that, but um, I've, played some really really good opponents this year i got to play against the professor who um made it to top eight um he beat myself and he also beat uh max um he beat jimmy too um so it's been he was a really really good player um and then i also played duncan bills in my last game of the of the tournament and he just had every single thing that he needed in his hand. Um, 
and domed Molog in like one round. <laughs> so nice. that made my game really quick. Um, and he, he told me, he's like, I built this entire deck to counter, you know, really heavy hitting guys. So that's the reason why that worked that way. And um, it was nice to talk to him and walk through it. And I was like, hey, you know, we'd love to have you on Tabletop Simulator. Love to get some games in with you. Just to have more diverse people to play with, I think, is an awesome thing for us to do. Um, but yeah, those were my kind of my highlights were Age of Sigmar, lots of hanging out with new friends, meeting new people. You know, we connected with Jonathan and Aman and all those guys, and they're now friends, which is cool. So, um, yeah. Well, awesome. A lot of fun things there. Memories to last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Danny, being the newbie of the group, I know we've talked a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff with you, but just overall, what was what was your favorite moment? What was what was fun for you? Um, I really liked it when you and Trace got in an argument on the drive up. That was fun. Ah, that was fun. <laughs> uh, what then wait, what is your Star Wars theory? <laughs> I don't. You're never gonna know. And then that time that we went to get gas, and then had to go across the street because we didn't go to the right gas station because Jason. Yep. <laughs> uh, but no, Cause, the because Jason had to look in on his company. Yeah, we had to pay Jason to take us to Nova. Um, yeah. but, uh, no, uh, the whole, it was nice just to kind of get away and spend time together. It was kind of the overall thing. I obviously spent a lot of time talking about Lord of the Rings and that community really wowed me and impressed me. Um, I unfortunately am absolutely horrendous with names. Uh, so I don't really remember everybody's names. Uh, fun fact, used to be a teacher and absolutely had kids at the end of the year that I knew who they were. And if you said their name, like I knew exactly who they were talking about, but if they came up to me, they'd be like, hey, Mr. C, have a good summer. And I'd be like, you too, sport. <laughs> uh, so I am really bad with names, so I apologize. Please never take offense by that. I will remember your face and remember exactly where and how I met you till the day I die, but I will never remember your name. So that's my blessing and my curse. Uh, but that was a ton of fun just getting to meet all those people and the that community uh i enjoyed the uh getting oprah with a free sister of battle at the gw preview event that was fun because i don't think we've ever really talked too much about it on this podcast but i am one of those people that has always wanted to start a sisters of battle army but does not plan to spend you know all the money it takes to buy a metal sisters of battle army and so these plastic line and rejuvenation is something that I am super psyched about. So when I got to have my little hands on a brand new miniature that was from the new Sisters of Battle of Line, that made me happy. That was a, a cool thing. So I know us going up on Wednesday was for the GW preview, which we almost yeah. missed. <laughs> which was almost right? my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, was it? did it meet your expectations of being at the preview? Uh the, yes and no. Like it was like for me, there wasn't a lot of things that uh, I was particularly excited about during this particular reveal, simply because they had literally just dumped all the Space Marine stuff in our lap like a week before. Uh, so uh, 
you know, seeing like new Warcry stuff and things like that was nothing too exciting. And at that point, I hadn't played the Lord of the Rings stuff, so I wasn't like as into it yet. But the Lord of the Rings reveal, in retrospect, was really cool because they have some really cool miniatures coming out down the line. But it was fun to to see see stuff before everybody else, even though everybody kind of sees it at the same time. But it was fun. Yeah, when they, I think honestly, if they had not done that little like, here's your freebie, it would have been mildly underwhelming, which is rude to say and I don't mean it that way I just would have been kind of like oh all right that was nice I don't know if it was worth uh the trouble at that point but getting a freebie made me feel good (laughs) like I really liked so I did the meet the studio thing like a few nights later and it was basically talking to the same people that did the review uh uh, the the preview and so that was really fun um because you got to actually ask questions and kind of interact and uh talk like in a forum um and that I found to be more rewarding but uh, both were good. It was fun. Everybody was delightful. The Warhammer team there, you know, the Games Workshop team was incredible and uh, getting to rub elbows with them and kind of pick their brains about why they choose to do certain things and what they like about their game design and things that they're excited about and, and all that was really, really rewarding. Yeah, it's really cool that basically at Nova you have open access to through GW personalities and employees, um, they are everywhere. So yeah, and like, and if you get a chance to, my personal thing I tried to do whenever I got to meet anybody was just to thank them because uh, yep. they you know they put in a lot of work. And I know they get paid and all of that and blah blah blah, but you know they do make the game that we enjoy. So uh, I wanted to take time to to thank them for all their hard work, and especially since, like I said, they had literally just dropped the Space Marine stuff on us the week before, and so I was like, hey. Thanks for all the cool new stuff. <laughs> it's fun. That's awesome. Well, cool. So then, Jason, what was your favorite thing? Oh, <laughs> me? Okay, good. <laughs> this is like a Jurassic Park where you're talking about. <laughs> Lord. No, so, you know, Nova, for me, boils down to five days away with, you know, my best friends. So uh, it really... That is the time, like the the car ride up, picking on Trace, Trace picking on us. Um, you know, those are the things that I really appreciate, uh, and it's really what this podcast is about, right? It, we, you know, we get to talk about games, we get to talk about all the cool stuff that we love and play, but really, it's for me, it's an excuse to get together uh, with the three of you and and talk shop, uh, which is kind of what our friendship all started on. So having five days of you guys sequestered into my clutches where, where you cannot get away uh, and getting Danny really drunk and laying on a bed and telling yeah. me what his thoughts are for the next year and plans. Those are the memories that, that, that I enjoy. And for me, that's what, that's what makes Nova. You know, we've talked about the access to GW employees. We've talked about the access to the Nova the Nova staff. We've talked about the great friends that we've made in Underworlds and Lord of the Rings and and John out there from the narrative. Um, so, like those things that those are really what Nova is all about. And I've asked a lot of different people that go to a lot of different conventions, and all of them say that that's what Nova brings. It's a big party, and that doesn't mean that everyone's just walking around schmammered from nine to five every single day. It's about the access in having a bond with someone that you can just walk and talk uh, no matter who they are. So um, yeah, that's my, 
my favorite thing is hanging out with with you three silly billies. Um, uh, I just want to draw attention that Jason did a classic Jason maneuver there and projected where I was by far the most sober person that night. <laughs> so let's not get it crazy here. Um, just you were not. You were Jared did maybe pass out. So um, <laughs> he did on it. Totally passed out. <laughs> um, other than that, you know, if I had to just pick like kind of three things, like other than Underworlds being the vast majority and great, great opponents um, through that whole event and way too many ties. And I'm sorry to all of my opponents for the amount of ties that I had at Nova this year. Um, the number one most important thing other than friends was the war cry that we all played. So, um, you know, I skipped, it was Friday morning, Saturday, Saturday morning. I skipped yeah, my one, breakfast. yeah, I skipped my one, uh, narrative event. Uh, Danny and I went and grabbed breakfast and then we got Trace and Jared to come play some war cry and we played in the lobby of the hotel. Uh, we got to meet, meet a GW illustrator, um, who sat next to us and, and illustrated some kill team cards, uh, for herself and really just play Warcry and hang out. Like it was, it was a really, really cool thing and have, you know, multiple people walk up, Hey, what's this, what's going on? Um, so it was not an event. It was just hanging out and rolling dice. Um, and then my demo of crisis protocol. So I won't go into detail on the game itself, uh, but to get me to stand there for like three hours was um, something that I don't normally do for a non-GW game, uh, and that game is a lot of fun. It takes me back to my HeroClick games uh, days. I was super jealous that I didn't get to play because I had to do Lord of the Rings, so I only got to watch for like half an hour, and that was honestly one of the things I was looking forward to doing at Nova was trying that game, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it because I get to live vicariously through you a bit. Well, it comes out next month, so... Woo-woo. So that's my Nova experience. Uh, you know, once again, uh, I do want to thank my loving, endearing wife for affording me the time to go monkey around with all of my friends, you three, and all of the friends that we made there uh, in the Underworlds community. Uh, I do want to thank my opponents again from the Underworlds uh, Grand Clash, uh, especially, especially Sean Moore, who I had the pleasure of playing in the last game of the tournament for the bracket three championship. Um, it was a close, close bracket, uh, but yours truly pulled it out. So I am the tallest short person in the room taking bracket three. Yes. Solid. Hey man, you can't lose any of the brackets that you're not in. So I think right. I'm the tallest short person. Yes. Or the Even shortest. Tr- one of the way the other. Tra- Trace was the top winner of the podcast you know, finishing finishing in the second pod. What you finished twelfth trace? Is that something like that, yeah. So well guys, it was another great year of Nova. Nova nineteen. Let's put it in the book. Uh and look forward to twenty twenty. With that, we'll take a break and be back in a couple seconds. Welcome back. So, fellas, things are brewing 
in the old Warhammer 40,000 universe. What things are brewing, you might ask? I'm glad you asked. The Psychic Awakening is is brewing. It's a brewing. In the Psychic Percolator? Do what? (laughs) The Psychic Percolator. It is. It's a brewing. So they announced this week, uh, they've shown some of the models um, for, I think, what's going to be the first of many installments for this. Um, for the new um, Jane's R model and the new, um, what's his name, Drazar. Um, so two characters that have been in the game for a long time. One is an aspect warrior for the Howling Banshees, and the other one is a Incubi special character that used to, it's like a fallen aspect warrior, basically, for the Dark Eldar. Um and they announced today that it's going to be a new box set. So yep. love to get you guys' thoughts on that. I know sure. Danny's super excited. Yeah, start with Danny. He loves the pointy ears. Yeah. I I am the world's biggest Eldar fan. Absolutely. Yes. So big. <laughs> uh, but I mean, y'all know I do have my my certain my Xenos of choice is the Dark Eldar, so it doesn't it does feel nice to see some some dark eldar miniatures coming in to play but uh i have a pet hate of the normal eldar and so they that half of the box can melt but the other half of the box is pretty cool yeah what do you think of the new sculpts of the incubi uh it's hard i want to see the the 360s because i think they look gorgeous like the the racks the spine racks are really cool the helmets are really cool the big Mm -hmm. claves are pretty awesome uh, I do think the poses are a little stiff for what's supposed to be a bunch of you know, badass close combat warriors. Yeah. But I'm willing to concede that that might just be photography. Um, but they, yeah, look, think, they look a little upright and broad. Yeah, I think the thing that we need to remember, especially for anybody who's looking at these, is that GW does a good job at taking photography sometimes. But a lot of the miniatures, just when you flatten them out like that, they they lose a lot of their dynamism. Um, and so when you when you look at them on the website, when the pre-order goes up, you'll be able to spin them around. And they always, like my my opinions on the models almost always change when I look at those things. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I would agree that from just this first glance, they do look a little stiff. Especially when you compare them. So like you look at the Incubi and Drazar and you compare them to the Aspect Warriors and James yep. R, and it's worlds of difference in the photography when it comes yep. to the dynamics of the, the, the models. Yep. Yeah. Completely agree. And speaking of plastic aspect warriors, Jason Murray, what will you do? Oh, they're great, but I'll wait. Oh. Yeah, mm. it, I mean, it's you can't play the record them in worlds, so he, <laughs> he won't touch them. No, well, yeah. If that was a war band, he'd have it 10 hours ago. Yeah, it, it, yeah, oh, I would have bought the whole yeah. box. He'd have flown to England and broken into the vault to get it. <laughs> so here, I mean, here's the thing. Like, Banshees are the reason why I started my Eldar army. It was the the thing that I was holding on to to sell the 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 army. But I don't really care for it that they're in a huge box set. Like, it's only five of them. And yep. I don't need multiple aspect uh, uh Jane's our models, right? Like I don't need two of her. So it'd be really hard to start a force of Banshees on the box set. Now I am 
extremely excited to see the lore that goes along with this because typically mm-hmm. the lore like these box sets previously have always kind of moved the story ahead um i am cool cool with the setting i think that we can incorporate it into our play i'm not ruling out getting back into an eldar army it just <laughs> this box doesn't like if i was starting dark eldar i think i'd be more apt to be buying this box than starting eldar yeah scu- i would agree the sculpts are are very like i am very happy with the banshee sculpts though like i i couldn't have asked for more and i'm glad they're in plastic yeah and and it's i'm glad that you touched on that because one of the things that they also talk about in the in the in the overview is that they're kind of continuing the trend of standardization with the new Space Marine Codex, right? So the new Space Marine Codex is the first of the quote-unquote next-gen 40K codexes. And they talk about in this article how they're going to have in this new book that comes with the box um, successor tactics for like your own custom craft worlds. Um, and also uh, new Exarch powers and also a new discipline for called runes of fortune so now eldar will have three exclusive psychic disciplines which will be awesome um and jared being the resident most psychic chapter of us what do you think on that um i mean i don't really feel like Rules-wise, the Eldar needed more, like, psychic potency. But from the lore standpoint, I mean, they're an entire race of psychically imbued beings. So it only stands to reason that, like, they should have, you know, more options. And even if there is some great psychic awakening happening across the galaxy, that they would be the first to feel the effects of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, their race is entirely psychic. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the Dark Eldar, they have their own method of like suppressing that psychic nature that birthed Slanesh, blah 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 um so i'll be interested to see like what kinds of powers come out of that mm-hmm. um because it you know because it, it feels like they've already got like a lot of buff and debuff powers so i'm yeah curious yeah, it, if they'll just dip into that more or if they'll go a different direction like in, yeah, reading and, that article like they talk about how they have some stuff for the dark eldar too but it just seems yeah. like that was the army that needs the most love out of the two. Yeah. And it doesn't feel right now like they got the most of it. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what the cabal obsessions, the homunculus coven obsessions and the witch cult obsessions are, um, and see kind of what those change. Um, but yeah, Danny, I would agree that like, it's kind of overshadowed a little bit because it feels like, well, the, the Eldar actually got the new psychic, discipline as well and exarch powers and stuff like that so um but yeah uh i'm i'm excited for the box just to see what's in it i will not be buying it but um i'm interested to see where the story goes um and yeah it's fun times ahead and i'm what i'm really excited about is to see how they approach the rest of the factions because when they talked about psychic awakening at at Nova, they talked about how every single faction will get something to use um, with this stuff. So I think I think it will be interesting. Like, how do you 
how do you incorporate like Adeptus Mechanicus in this? Do like get, do they get psychic robots? Is that what happens? <laughs> like, do they steal the brains of an Eldar and put them in a robot? I don't know. And like, I mean, it's interesting too that they're starting off with uh, one of the factions that's notoriously no psyker. You know, like Dark yep. Eldar don't use psychers, and so right. how they handle that is probably going to give us a bit of a clue for like how Mechanicus right. and like Tau will yep. be dealt with. I mean, overall, it's really cool. Like, we've kind of seen this pattern coming since 7th edition where they wanted to include these boxes into the larger narrative. Um, but the fact that they've re redefined kind of what 8th and going forward what codexes are, you know, because if you think about it, codex updates have always gone along with edition updates. Mm-hmm. And now it's like we're, we're going to be stuck in 8th. They feel like they got a good core rule set to work off of. And now, over the next few years, we're just going to continue to see these expansions. And I, I mean, I can't wait to see the next Aspect Warrior updates, like we you know striking stor- scorpions and stuff like that, and moving the story along along that path as well. So, and don't forget, on the drive up, I was the one that predicted what Psychic Awakening was because I'm the man. <laughs> you is the man. Um, at one of one of the rumors that I've heard too about the next set that will be Psychic Awakening will be actually be Black Templars and potentially multi-part chaos stuff too. So I don't know what it'll be. We'll find out. I don't know if there'll be like the full plastic obliterators in there or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. Not the easy to build ones. Wouldn't be opposed. Yeah. Be interested to see some, some new Black Templar sculpts come out. I think that would be awesome. But anyway, we can speculate all we want to, but only those who are truly psychic will really know what happens. Well played, sir. Yep. So we'll be back in just a few minutes and talk to you soon. And here we are yet again with another Underworld segment led by yours. Truly, the village idiot when it comes to Underworlds. Uh, there's a big old box that, that came out. What's it called? Beast Grave. Beast Grave. B-E-A-S-T-G-R-A-V-E-E-E-E. Demonetize oh that, God. Disney. Um, <laughs> so, Jason, tell me, what's the nuts and bolts? What's, uh, what's so special about this new expansion, reboot, season, whatever you guys call it? So, season three? Um... Season three. Yeah, as we've... <laughs> season That's three on on the Ocho. Um... <laughs> Give it time; it will be. <laughs> so you know, for those not not familiar with Underworlds, it is like a competitive miniatures game. So they basically make them into seasons, and where Beast Grave is season three, uh, which means updated rules, uh, which you know I'm sure we'll get into here a little bit, um, but. Uh, the main point is a whole new set of cards um, and two new factions in the starter set. And for the first time ever, no storm casts in the starter set. They you were have, in Dreadfane. Well, yeah, that's not it's separate. It's two and a half. It's just, yeah, <laughs> season, it's like season 2.5. Season 2.5. Uh, so um, you have my, my favorite Beastman and the elf like Minotaur deer. They have a name. The, the Kernarthi. Wild Hunt. Excellent. So, Trace, this feels like there's a whole lot of warbands and a whole lot of cards. 
how am I supposed to manage all this stuff from seasons one, two, and 2.5? Just give up. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I did that a while ago. I'm getting ahead of the game. Uh, you know, speaking to you, Danny. Um, <laughs> no, the, the best way for you to handle this is um, you don't need everything. Um, the things that I would tell you is just kind of buy the box that you like the look of first. See if you like the game. Um, and then if you are truly interested in it, I mean, always buy a core box because the core box will give you your boards to play with. So buy the Beast Grave core box. Proprietary um, dice. Yep. Get your proprietary dice on. And then find a, a faction that you like the look of. Um, if you want something that's going to stay fresh for another two years, buy a Beast Grave warband that you like the look of there's currently three out um they just announced one today or no there's one went for for pre-order yesterday the grim watch um and then there's several resources around the internet Uh, we've already talked about jonathan from um path to glory podcast he runs a website that's called um well of power and he's done some pretty cool articles of talking about um, which order you need to kind of buy things in in order for you to get the most bang for your buck. So I would kind of point you guys over there because he he's done a very excellent job of walking through why you buy these boxes in this order. Um, much better description than I could ever give in the amount of time that we have to talk to you tonight. But um, that would be my advice is to kind of get your core box, whichever whether it's the Night Vault or the or the Beast Grave core box, whatever warbands you like the most, start there, get another warband that you like, and then start to build on that. And they introduced rotation. And they did introduce rotation. So all the season one cards that are in that are universal. So all of your faction cards stay in play, but all of the season one universal cards that don't have your warband symbol on them. Those are then rotated out. You can play them in a new format that GW has created called Relic, which allows all of the all of the cards across all the sets to be playable with a very limited, um, restricted list. Um, and then the competitive play is now just the current two seasons. So whatever the current season is and the past year's season, those are the only universal cards that you can play. So if you're into getting into competitive um, and you're used to like the magic rotation, it's not quite as rapid as the magic rotation, um, but it it is kind of the same feel. Your warbands are your warband specific cards are never invalidated. It's only this only the generic upgrades, objectives, and ploys. So yeah. So if I have like a favorite card from season one that's not one of my Skaven cards, I just have to caress it and take it out back until it won't feel anything. It'll be fine. You can take your ready yep. for action and you can frame it and put it on your wall. <laughs> um, but you will not be able to play that in competitive play anymore. Those sons of bakers. Those. I mean, Danny, if you want to play, I'll just, you know, it's fine. We'll just play. It's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, but you just can't play that Nova next year. Sorry. <laughs> don't worry <laughs> can't wait broken. to book every night playing that game uh so jared uh i am very clearly on the record as being fairly ambivalent about this particular game why sell me on season three what's so great about it what what would make it different enough to make me want to play 
So I think one of the the biggest things is they really tightened up the rule set. So I, Ooh, I, feel I like love it, a tight rule set. Yes, you a do. Nice sweaty tight rule set. <laughs> Why does it gotta be sweaty? I'm <laughs> talking to you, Jason. Ooh. Ooh. It, ain't, it ain't tight over here, buddy. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to do with that now. <laughs> a good rule um, set that works out, you know, five days a week. Yeah. Watches yeah. what it eats. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I, that's. That's Beast Grave in a nutshell. Um, I see it in the gym all the time as I drive by with my milkshake in my hand. <laughs> Nutshells and tidy and tight rule sets, man. Um, so they've um, they've done a lot of work. So season one, I feel like there were some rule wording ambiguities, and I feel like what they've done in Beast Grave is they've basically created a grammar um, for all of the different interactions. They've bolded a bunch of words uh, to help tighten up when certain things happen uh, when your reactions can happen they've given a flow chart and you know i love a good flow chart um for the for the attack sequence so uh, you know exactly when things are supposed to happen so this is a game that you could pick up and you could read the rules for the the game and you could read the rules interactions that occur on the cards and and everything is laid out in a clear very concise manner so you know exactly when things are supposed to happen, how they're supposed to happen, in a way that wasn't always as obvious uh, in Shadespire, uh, that they did a little better with Night Vault, but now in Beast Grave, um, I think they've gotten it about as good as they can get it. Yeah, I think they've really hit their stride a little bit in the rules portions. Yep. I'm a big fan of bold. I'm a little disappointed they didn't use italics, but... I'll settle for bold. I think there are some um, italics. Oh, but that's for the fluff. Come on, nobody reads that yes, except for nerds. Exactly. Oh, you know, the so other, the other cool thing to get you in, Danny, is the one of the changes to the warbands is they now warband specific cards, so objectives, gambits, and upgrades. They give you a full set. So if you're playing like the Beastman, you're going to have twelve specific objectives, ten specific gambits, and ten specific upgrades which Jared and I have already experienced, like having a new player play, it was like no more do we have to sit down and figure out a deck. It's like just nope. grab the the faction cards and go, and the game plays really well like that. So for anyone getting in, just get your faction going forward. We'll have a full deck and just try it out. So Yeah, that sounds delightful. I think that's something they probably should have done from the get-go. Um because my poor my poor rats are sitting here with like five cards to their name. So, um, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, all right. Well, it sounds promising. So why don't we just go through a little lightning round then, and just uh, Jason, tell me what's your favorite thing so far about the Grave of Beasts? The Grave of Beasts, the upcoming warbands. I mean, they're not all officially announced, but um, you know, you can kind of glean what they would be from from the cards. So you have the Beastmen, you have the Wild Hunts. Um, you have the the Grey Watch, Grim Watch, whatever the heck they call the Flesh Eater Court guys, which have a great res mechanic, kind of like the Night's Watch. Yeah, Men of the Night's Watch. Um, <laughs> they think they're noble. They do. Uh, they have a cool res mechanic, you know, kind of like Skeletons or Skaven, but taken to eleven. Um, we have the Goblin Wolf Riders that'll be coming up that we've already seen pictures from. Um, but then from our work, it looks like we're going to get an ogre faction, a Nurgle faction, um, a Daughters, Daughters of Cain faction. 
Yep. Um, and I'm forgetting one. Iron other. Jaws. Iron, Iron Jaws. Jaws. Yeah, some sort of other orc faction. So, um, and then the diversity within those factions, like season one and a little bit of season two, like the fighters, although had different actions, they kind of had the same. Like, you know, like everybody had like four or three wounds. Or, you know, this seems there's going to be a little more sprinkled in. Like, the two factions that we've seen, we've ranged from four, three, and two wounds. Different kind of stats on their cards. Um, so, just trying to tr- trying to liven it up. So, that's what I'm most excited about. Big fan about a man who says the thing he's most excited about is something that doesn't exist. <laughs> got this whole brand new game, and I'm excited about what's coming next. Right. Uh, Trace, hit me up. What do you got? So the thing that I'm probably the most excited about is the limitation of what are called surge objectives now. Um, like yeah, a so classic early 2000 soda, or that yep. would be correct. It will oh, get you amped up, bouncing off the walls, and ready to go, crush your enemies, and claim the glory and the beast grade. Yeah. Um, so the they've they've put a new limitation on competitive play for surge objectives where you can only have six in your deck so this is one of my favorite things about this is kind of more of the repurposed um focus on objective play because going in you know at nova one of the things that we all kind of noticed was unless you're duncan or unless you're dean bills like you don't really play a lot of objective game like you play more aggressive and more kind of hybrid decks where you can kind of play passive and score. But um, most of the decks were anywhere from seven to eight to nine score immediately cards, which are what surge or surge cards. So they've limited that to where you can only take six surge cards in any deck. So that'll kind of shift the focus away from just pure, hyper-efficient decks to you have to kind of think about and plan what's in your, you know, have to know what's in your deck more and kind of what to plan for for the future rounds and how you can score those glo- that all that glory um, in the end phase rather than in the middle of the turn. So that's one of the things that I'm most excited about. Um, and just all the different Warband diversity too. Because even with the, the Dreadfane um, Warbands that we can include they're completely part of the game now um you have just a really nice diverse field of war bands to play with so if there's one thing that you like you can probably make it work in the game sorry while you were talking all i could think about was the tight tight rule set (laughs) distracted i'm a little hot and bothered i can't even muster the strength to ask jared well just go drink your surge and bust one (laughs) Last one. Family show. Wow. I was at least alluding. I was dancing around the subject, but here we go. I was just so, talking about shaking up your surge and busting it, man. I don't oh, know what okay. you're talking about. I, I, I'm not going to say it. Nope. Have it there, uh, nope. and I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it. <laughs> this is a major moment in my life that I'm passing up on a joke because he I bu- don't do He that. busts immediately, so it's fine. Yeah. I've already busted five times tonight. Couldn't even tell. <laughs> So now I don't gonna, even know what's happening anymore. I'm going to bust out another question for Jared. What are you most excited about? Oh, we've lost our minds. Yeah. Um, so I think, for one, the 
tight rule set just to mm-hmm. just keep beating that dead horse. Um, I mean, I, it's unfortunate now oh. in this current moment that, that that's the reality. But um, I think having you know a well-written rule set is going to make it easier for more people to get into the game. Um, and then to kind of follow up on Trace's favorite thing about the surge objectives and he mentioned this but i'm really excited to see um more people build decks that are designed to take part in more aspects of the game so um really excited about seeing people try to figure out the objective game so being on the objective tokens in order to get your glory instead of um doing the things that everybody was doing you know, in, in previous seasons where, you know, you were just waiting for your opponent to put on three upgrades and you get two glory or, uh, you know, casting a spell to get a glory or, or, you know, whatever those kind of staple, they were in everybody's deck, you know, all of the decks started to look the same, um, seeing that shaken up, um, because of the limit to the surges and then the, really the power of the infaction cards. So, from what we've seen so far, there's a lot of strength in the infaction cards, which means that each of the factions in and of themselves are going to play um, somewhat similarly, but you're not going to see two factions that are different that have the same deck in the same way that we did before. Right on. Well, you guys left me a lot of thinking to do. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but you left it with me. And uh, it sounds like it's an exciting time for those of you guys who enjoy this sort of game. So, uh I'm happy for you. Uh, you're like um, you're like an ex girlfriend who found like somebody really nice. I'm super psyched for you guys. Thanks. I got that <laughs> yeah. ex girlfriend revenge body. It's really tight. Yep. Oy, oy, oy. That's where I was going. I was just gonna bring the analogy full circle. But thanks for chatting with me, boys. And I'm uh, I'm excited for everybody. Genuinely, uh, it sounds like you guys are gonna have a good time with this. And hopefully, uh, you might see me play a game or two throughout the entire season. Nothing like Ooh. a good old circle surge. And we're back. And that'll wrap us up for episode 15, Nova 2019 Saga, chapter two, the final chapter for Nova 2019. Um, you know, as always, we appreciate all of the listens and the the feedback and the likes and the comments that we get on Facebook and Twitter and What's that other one? Instagram? Gosh, I'm so good at this. So good at the social media. So um, if you haven't yet, you know, give us a like, a follow um, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. So Facebook, we're Battle Mallet Podcast. Twitter, we're Battle Mallet One. Instagram, we're Battle Mallet PCast. And we have a Discord, and it's some weird funky link. It's the Battle Mallet Discord server. I don't even know if you can search on Discord. Jason? Yes? No? You just have to go to our link and our yeah. Yeah. You okay, that's that the okay. Cool. So there'll be a link to the Discord server. It's either on our webpage on Facebook. It'll be in the show notes. Um, so if you like what we're doing, you know, let us know. If you don't like what we're doing, there's something you'd like to hear us do uh, as we come to the close of this first season, or something that you'd like to see us do. You know, as we start thinking about Nova 2020, uh, you know, give us a shout. Let us know. 
Um, if you want other people to be able to find our content organically, the best way to do that is to give us reviews and, and stars and all that stuff on iTunes or on Facebook. Um, it's what they use for their algorithm to help other podcasts be discoverable. Um, so that's it for the, you know, like all the, the, the business aspect of it, I guess. So, um, I had a great time at Nova. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to next year. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't even know what the format is going to be given that all of the different announcements that they made for underworlds and, you know, the, the fact that every event was bigger and, and grander than previous years. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, but before we close out, any anybody got any final shout outs, any events coming up or uh, well I want to uh, give a little love to a friend of the podcast, James M for producing another James M, third of his name. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Congrats. Yeah, congrats. Jimmy's a daddy and we're psyched for him. Sure I'm happy is. for him. Yep. Sweet. Welcome yep. to the club. Yeah. I'm staying out. <laughs> Han is a handful enough for you. Ain't he, though? <laughs> what a mess. Cool. Uh, anybody local? I know uh, Jason and Trace are planning on being at Game Theory on Tuesday, which will either be tomorrow or today, depending on when I can get this edited um, and, and posted um, to do some Underworlds. So... Uh, game theory in Raleigh if you're local and you want to play Underworlds um, hit that up I'm going to do what I can to get out there but I can't set anything in stone yet Um, but I think that's it yeah see ya cool alright so for the Battle Mallet podcast um, we are three dads and a Wegmans hater Mm. I love it but it hurts me so. <laughs> this is Jared signing out. This is Trace signing out. And Danny signing out. And I'm Jason. Table New Murray. Busting the hell out of here. <laughs> Peace. podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. learned from enough episodes of cops that if you're going to use the taser you have to announce it three times <laughs> i'm going to tase you <laughs> <laughs>